0: Your weekly sports pod We're here, the OGs, Nabil, the real deal, Vala, the ball What's up, Nabil?
1: What it do, fam? We Shit, good, man
0: you. We're here, bro We're here on a beautiful day Pre-All-Star break is when we're recording this And to get straight into this, bro We're talking about two of the players that I think me and you, like, off-pod Have talked about the most in our lives the last few months And that is who I think is the best center And maybe the best player in the NBA right now Joel Embiid And who else?
1: James Harden, baby The beard himself Who would have thought, man? <laughs> Who would have thought like you know Man. just you know, just getting into this Vol, right? Like it, the whole trade deadline situation, everybody's talking about Maury, like, hey Maury, you know, get rid of Ben Simmons for whatever you can, pennies on the dollar, it doesn't matter what you get, just get something around Embiid. And Maury just says, you know, holds to his guns, holds his nuts, and says, No, fuck it. I'm not getting anybody else for Ben Simmons other than James Harden. A lot of criticism through that time period oh, too. Yeah. A lot of people in the national media and the Twitter community, podcast
0: community saying, you know, Daryl Maury uh, oh, let's start bringing up Daryl Morey's successes. Is he really that successful a GM? Is his history that great? Look at what he's messed up, and now he messed this up. So we're going to get into that. We're going to get into a lot of other things as it relates to James Harden, Joel Embiid, and the Philadelphia 76ers, but first things first, bro. Trivia. Let's do I'm it. I'm coming for you. Let's do it. So this is directly about our boy Joel Embiid. Passionately now known in the NBA community is Troel yes. Embiid. 100%. Just what a beautiful... like. Has anyone trolled people live better than Joel Embiid Oh, has? no. He, uh, no,
1: yes. I One person. Who's that? Israel Adesanya. The reigning, defending, middleweight champion oh, the of the world, the fucking to, stylebender.
0: Okay, you're going out of the... We're going out, out of the, of the
1: NBA. NBA, but if we're talking distinctly the NBA, it's Troel or nobody.
0: So Troel Embiid, since the NBA-ABA merger way back in the day, I don't even know the year of it. I should be better as an NBA historian, but oh. I guess I'm working on my PhD. Um, he is the third player... In NBA history since the NBA-ABA merger to put up 27 and 13 points per game in a regular season. He did it once before, I want to say two years ago, and he's on pace to doing it again now if he can keep upping his rebound rate. Can you name the other two guys that did that in that time? I think they're both very obvious answers, but I'll give you and the listener uh, second to think I'm gonna give you three I'm gonna give you three guesses so
1: 27 and 13 twice in their career That's is that the no no just about? one time just, just one reco- time just recorded once yeah Shaq
0: Shaq is one
1: uh Kareem Abdul-Jabbar
0: Kareem's not no uh
1: Hakeem won. nope no I fucked David Robinson probably
0: He's an active player
1: oh he's an active player holy shit really Anthony Davis Giannis. Oh, oh shit. <laughs> Duh. Name everybody but him. Oh, yeah. Fucking shit.
0: <laughs> so, I mean, that's that's still pretty storied company, man. Yeah. Like, you got on one hand one of the three greatest centers in NBA history, I think, in Shaq. Uh, and Giannis, who's, like we've talked about in the past, on pace to be the greatest power forward in NBA history. And here comes Joel Embiid. This weird <laughs> fucking NBA career, right? Dude. This guy who looked like a monster at Kansas in college, who... Came over from Nigeria. Didn't have a lot of experience with basketball, but was a, what, a sand volleyball player, if I'm not mistaken? Something like that, man. So kind of like on the same path of Hakeem, you know, playing another sport that refines his fine motor skills. Comes over to the NBA. You know, I think he was the third overall pick Mm -hmm. in the draft. And first two years, (laughs) zero basketball.
1: Yeah, I remember we were classifying this pick as being a complete bust. Everybody was looking at Sam Hinkie like, yo, trust what the fuck is the process? There is no process. And little do we know, trust the process 2 years later, bro, just holy fuck.
0: Yeah, and then, you know, year 3, he still like misses more than half the season and puts up decent numbers. And then boom, bro. Year 4 and on, he's just he's been the anchor of the Philly team that year in year out. Has been a pretty good team. I mean, I wouldn't say like championship contending every single year, but Philly's been a relatively steady face in an ever-revolving carousel of Eastern Conference teams that come in and out of the playoff picture. And again, a relatively weak Eastern Conference during the LeBron James era.
1: I will say this about the East at the time of you know of uh, Joel and even Ben Simmons relevancy with that whole time and in, in in Philly, bro. They were doing this despite. Bad coaching, right? Brett Brown was oh a fucking God. coach of that team Damn. with so much fucking talent, and I will, I'll say that you know that team that year, you know they they competed very well, and if it wasn't for you know a Kawhi Leonard all time fucking NBA moment, you know we're talking we're having a completely different discussion right no, now. No, the
0: Philadelphia Sixers, 76ers, it win game seven in Toronto, barring the Kawhi Leonard miracle. They go on to the Eastern Conference Finals. They probably win the Eastern Conference Finals That was the Eastern Conference
1: Finals, wasn't it? Or was that the second round? I
0: want to say it was the semifinals. Okay. Uh, but either way, they go to the NBA Finals. And you play a Golden State Warriors team that doesn't have Kevin Durant and Mrs. Clay Thompson. E- even with Kevin Durant just not there. yeah. Who's stopping Joel Embiid in that series? Nobody.
1: Yeah, absolutely right? nobody. And
0: you have the... Excellent perimeter defenders with Jimmy Butler leading the way to chase down Clay and Steph and the barrage of shooters yeah. they have.
1: And then a guy who was just coming off first team all-defense Ben Simmons.
0: That's it, bro. And we're having a completely different conversation about Joel Embiid. Yeah. Now, I think this is the first year he's really come into the picture in terms of being like the best center in the NBA. I, I want to say 2019 we had this conversation as well. I mean, uh, last year, too. Last year, yeah. He played 51 games, but still, yeah, he was he had an excellent season. And now I think it's it's done. He is the best center in the NBA, I would say, pretty confidently. I know Jokic, the advanced numbers are all on Jokic's side. And the Nuggets are still winning, despite all the injuries and disadvantages they have. But, man, what Embiid gives you on both ends of the basketball, I would put him over. How do you feel about that?
1: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you wholeheartedly, right? I think the only bias that we've had against Embiid, his whole career, has just been health. Right, he can't have a healthy season. Like last year, we were talking about the whole discussion that, you know, the Jokic versus Embiid debate was real. Right, Embiid I think was leading that debate for quite some time until you know he got injured and the discussion was over then, and you know Jokic took it bar none. Um, I think that was also year, an M- he was in the MVP running. He yeah, he was the MVP. I would say, like, if he stayed healthy that year, he would have been the MVP. Right? I think he should have rightfully been the MVP. Um, and this year, you're seeing it, right? He's fully healthy. Um, he's playing. He's playing like there's no problem. Um, you see that there's nothing bothering him. And yeah, he's ubiquitously the best player in the NBA right now. And I don't think it's a question.
0: So we <laughs> we jumped the gun on this. You know, I I want to definitely have a Joel Embiid segment and have an in depth conversation that does him justice, and we will. Uh, towards the latter portion of this podcast. But, Nabil, I think the thing that brought us into having this podcast relates to James Harden and Joel Embiid and not just Joel Embiid by himself because off pod, you know, me and you asked this question to each other and, you know, I asked this to the Twitter community and got some answers on both sides. But is this now Joel Embiid and James Harden the best shooting guard center combo, or just guard center combo, guard big man combo, let me open it up for you there, since Kobe and Shaq?
1: 100%.
0: 100%.
1: 100%. We have not seen, dude, and that's the thing. A lot thing. of like, people I would disagree with and, you. And, and, I mean, and, I would, and I would come back, like right back at you and say, name me two other MVPs that are both guard and center on the same team at the same time when we can both say that they're still MVP caliber. You think James Harden's still MVP caliber? He's still MVP caliber. Like, I, I'm not saying he's an MVP at all. At all, right? This year has proven that. But to the point, you can't tell me that James Harden can take over a game by himself and lead a team to a 40-point victory. That's what an MVP does.
0: The nuance of what you just said, that he's MVP caliber, that he can bring that to a team in the right setting um, and in the right circumstances and motivated when he, if he's not dealing with drama and nonsense like he did in Brooklyn, 100% agree. You're telling me this guy who last season with Brooklyn put up 25, 9, and 11 on 62% true shooting. And in the first round versus Boston, pre the hamstring injury was giving you 27, 7, and 11 on 55 from the field and 47 from three isn't an MVP caliber player. He was the best player on that Brooklyn team last year up until the hamstring and the most available guy for them as well. And he was much the same this year uh, with a roster that was broken, missing pieces, And really didn't have any, I feel like, complementary players to his skill set. He didn't have a rim and rolling guy as far as a big guy goes, really for the first time since the Rockets and Russell Westbrook.
1: Yeah, I mean, and there's a lot I want to talk about Harden. I think we'll get to later in the podcast, bro. But like to that point, I mean, again, I think what James Harden is still able to do on the perimeter, I still think that he's one of the best, if not the best, perimeter score we have in this league just by getting separation from the step back and getting his open three. Yes. Now, there is an argument to be said that his three-point shooting has dipped tremendously this year and it shouldn't, right? As a player gets older, specifically the caliber type of player that Harden is, very finesse, very skilled type of player, his three-point percentage uh, should be increasing year in and year out, especially as he's tailing off of his prime. And to see that going on the, you know, the inverse, it's kind of a scary thing to me, but at the same time, the amount of separation this man is still able to get at his age from the opposing player and still get a shot off, it doesn't scare me in that sense, right? Because when you get older, the main thing I start worrying about is getting separation. CP3 struggled with that significantly whenever he's in that Houston offense in an ISO-oriented setting. Harden's not facing that issue. Harden, I think, is facing more the issue of trying to get past his defender on, you know, when they're expecting him to still get to the lane and not getting that and one that he'd always ended up getting, you know, to get to the line 15 to 16 times. He's having to rely more on that step back shot and, you know, the step back shot isn't falling at a percentage that it did used to, that it used to. So, you know, it's basic logic, right? You're shooting more of a shot that you're missing more of and you're taking less of the high percentage shots that you did previously. So, yes, the numbers are going to be equating to less, you know, less pretty numbers really.
0: We're going to talk about James Harden. I have a lot I want to talk about and especially as it relates to What you brought up about chris paul i think there's a point that houston fans and we are houston fans just to make that clear i think there's a point houston fans need to sober up on and accept you know it's a little cognitive dissonance on our part and we'll discuss that Mm -hmm. later on in the pod but as as far as the center and uh, guard combo goes let's just take a trip down memory lane bro you know in the in the 2000s all the way up until i feel like the lebron big three era we had a pretty fun (laughs) <laughs> well fun like little uh, decent lineup of guard center combos right let's mm-hmm. talk about a few of them and just kind of do the listeners some justice I feel like there's going to be some people who are shouting out guard center combos that they feel like could compete with this version of James Harden and Joel Embiid uh one of them that comes straight to mind bro D Wade Shaq what, oh, do you, what do you have to say about no, that? No, this
1: team's definitely better. Uh, we're talking about a Shaq that was much older in his career. This was literally, I would say, Shaq's last year of averaging t- like consistent 20 and 10. Um, and he was on the border of that, too. He was a, atrocious defeat defensively that year, right? He couldn't keep up with any center. Couldn't stay on the court. Couldn't stay, Yeah, couldn't stay on the court. It was, you know, keep in mind, it was still, yes, it was still Shaquille O'Neal. It was, you know, just being Shaq in the, you know, the sheer girth of of mass just being there in the paint yeah he was gonna get you 20 and 10 and he got you that and in an era where also the center position was kind of dwindling and changing into what it was being and this was again the last year of uh, of good Shaq um and yeah and Wade coming into his own Wade was a damn good player that year uh, but again, he was, uh, wasn't an MVP. He, he hadn't won his MVP yet. He, I think that year of Dwayne Wade was kind of reminding me of the upswing. We're seeing a Ja this year, right? Like we're not going to, you know, Ja may be in the MVP category, but he's not going to win MVP this year. I think that's fairly clear. Same thing, right? Like I think that year, uh, Wade was in the MVP, you know, conversation, but he wasn't going to win MVP that year. So I equate that to, you know, those two being, you know, Wade on the the precipice of being the best that he's ever been, but the lack of how good Shaq was at that time, I don't think it does fair justice to compare them to.
0: Dwayne Wade 06, legend. Play yeah. That playoff run, that final series, Best legendary. Here's what people forget about Wade and Shaq. Let's, again, let's talk about the nuance here. You're talking about the last version of Good Shaq. They had two seasons, right? The second season is when they went to the finals. They had a season before that as well that they came up short, I think, in the second round and failed to advance. That, that first season was the last season, the last decent 2010 season of Shaq. Shaq, the following season, breaks down due to injuries later on in the season, misses some playoff time, and is a real shell of himself. Yeah, that finals, if you pull up his final stats right now, I don't know if you want to or not, but they're gross. Oh, I bet. No, it's like, yeah. for you want to call that like the second ring in a, a dynamic duo? That's a pretty bad one in <laughs> terms of the list goes. So I don't agree with Dwayne Wade and Shaq and again like the longevity isn't there for them. They had one yeah. decent year together. That first year D-Wade wasn't the D-Wade that we know. The D-Wade that we know started in 06. He wasn't there in 05. So there's that. Um I'm trying to think of other ones off the top of my head. I'm thinking like Nash and Amar'e.
1: Yeah, and the fact that I mean they never got to that you you if you never got to the, you know, the the, the fucking finals with that amount of talent, we can't have you serious in the conversation, I think. Yeah. I think that's like the minimum criteria, is that for you to at least get to the finals.
0: Tra- the number of times the Suns came up short, like every time could be a 30-for-30 30 30 tragedy.
1: Uh, you know you can just make a story on D'Antoni. Yeah. Just He's one of the most tragic coaches ever, maybe. Oh, easily.
0: Yeah. Wow. it's yes. a future pod topic, yes. bro. Oh, easy. Yeah, we, we'll beat ESPN on the run. They could pay us for the 30-for-30. 30 30. <sighs> It'll be nice. Two brown boys. You have the voice for it, bro. Oh, my goodness.
1: We can do it. Let's do it. It's done. Can you think of any off the top of your head? I mean, the obvious one, right? Kobe and Shaq. That's the only obvious. That's the only one. other one. That's you can the that's with? the only other obvious one. I mean, Penny and Shaq. We were really want to go old with it, but like the only thing I remember is just highlights. T Mac and Yao. What about? <laughs> Do we consider T Mac a, a guard or is he still a forward? Because I thought he was he was dwindling more than the line and playing forward.
0: Yeah, two, three. Okay. He never played the four during that Re- era, so I'll give him the guard. Regardless,
1: position. my criteria of getting to the finals, they never got to the finals, so that automatically disqualifies you, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, and they they could have been that had it not been for injuries and the NBA officiating mm-hmm. out the way they did. Okay. Um, yeah, bro, I 100% I think, I think the thing that people really fail to consider is and you really think about like mapping out what's going to happen with the Sixers team and what I think is going to end up happening is the effect that the two are going to have on one another. When was the only other time that Joel Embiid had a true like, you know, top 10, top 15 guard on his team, Jimmy Butler, right? Yeah. And Jimmy Butler offensively. Oh, my God, he's not <laughs> not even close to what James Harden is. On the defensive end, Jimmy Butler's an all-NBA talent, has that over Harden, but not even close offensively. Yeah. What that's going to do for Joel Embiid, the opportunities he's going to get on the Harden drives, the playmaking capability that Harden brings, and what for the first time in James Harden's career, having a big man that... When you dump the ball down to him, isn't a turnover waiting to happen with those Dwight passouts that we saw in Houston for three god-awful years? (laughs) Or fucking two moves, which is a drop step or a baby hook to the left hand that is 50-50 for Dwight in the post? Or gets to the free throw line and bricks fucking everything. Joel Embiid, bro, he has the Yao Ming effect going for him. Mm -hmm. He's like an 87% free throw shooter. So fourth quarter of games, Harden's not going to be scared to dump him down the ball. This is going to be something, I think, for James Harden that's going to unlock a a level form that we haven't seen and also playing for a Philly team that actually has shooters. God, that Brooklyn team, man. You talk about bad pieces, guys that couldn't stretch the floor, bigs that were old and past their rim-running capability years, uh, and rookies, basically, is what he had in Brooklyn. So I don't think we've seen the version of James Harden that – we're going to get in April and May of this year. And that version, I I don't think is too far-fetched to say, going to be a top 10 player in the league again. Because I know you have him, what, like top 15-ish? Yeah. Which I would agree with from what we've seen thus far. I really think he's going to surprise people with the pieces he has around him.
1: So this is my, my whole take on seeing a combination of James Harden and Joel Embiid and I'll, and I'll relegate this back to the whole Kobe and Shaq combination right the thing with Kobe and Shaq that I appreciated the most was the fact that you knew what was going to happen I kind of I'll compare this to binary encode, code right it was either a or a B. there was no other variable that you had to essentially look at uh or consider you knew it was either going to be Kobe going straight for the shot himself or pretty much just dumping it uh down to Shaq that was it the difference I think that we're seeing, and I'm nowhere here comparing or saying that Harden and Embiid are better than Kobe and Shaq. That's nowhere the, the the conversation at all. The conversation is more of the different things that you're able to do with this unit of Harden and Embiid than you're able to do with Kobe and Shaq. With Kobe and Shaq, Shaq was able to do one thing, and that one thing was he'd he'd receive the ball, and he would really just, just dominate your big man. That was it. We really didn't see any other parts of, you know, Kobe getting the screen and then Shaq cutting to the rim as fast as he could and getting an easy shot. It was more of, let's go back and forth turn by turn. Kobe, this is your time right now. Let me, or or Shaq is going to get fed the ball 10 times in the paint. It's his time to eat. And then it's Kobe's time to eat. And then it's Shaq's time to eat. I think that because of that, there's a couple of nuances that didn't make that. That made something more for me to want, but at that time the NBA was so dominant and it worked so well. In the yeah, yeah. Three championships. Why go away from something that doesn't? You know exactly. That,
0: the team has no. And answer you do have it. to.
1: But I'm equating that to today's NBA, when we're going back to the whole yeah. Harden and NBA debate, is that Harden can do so much more in the facet of he doesn't need to score. He's he's the point guard of this team as well. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he's going to average about twelve, thirteen assists a game now, yeah. considering that you have Harden, you have Tobias on, you know, in the fucking uh, in the perimeter himself, along with some other perimeter shooting and Tyrese Maxi as well. That you still got to keep. Like this is going to be a time where James really is going to be a playmaker more than anything else as well. And that's not to say that James can get a step back on somebody and get his own offensive shot off either by shooting a three or by getting to the rim at the same time. So just the combination that James Harden provides you on the playmaking capabilities as well as being a a primary square. Ridiculous, and then that's to the stay with Joel Embiid, right? Embiid can just beat you in so many different ways. The pick, the pick and roll opportunities that I can just think of are just going to be nasty off the top of my mind. Just seeing the fucking James Harden and Joel Embiid pick and rolls is going to be disgusting, especially with Embiid cutting the rim. But just the fact of knowing that Embiid can run screens and then pick and pop off that the screen, pop, yeah. when is Harden had that? That he's never. And that's Jeff Green, <laughs> yeah. That was that was in Jeff Green. That one it, of the best years. Of We're the talking about life.
0: a thirty-six-year-old Uncle Jeff. As the best complimentary big Harden's had to play with.
1: And now you get... you know For half a season. And on top of that, like one thing I'm excited to see is that I've never seen Harden come off a screen because he's never had to. Or if he does come off a screen, there's usually a help defender waiting for him because there's no respect to the other guy. I think here you're going to see a lot more one-on-one matchups where games Harden can start coming off the screens and getting open shots for threes. So I think that would be a huge positive for him. Here's my
0: theory about Harden off screens. So I watched like the first 10 games... Harden played for Brooklyn, and when those three guys were together, Harden, Kyrie, and Durant, bro, Harden was doing a lot of off-the-ball play. Mm -hmm. He was playing a very complimentary role, and I think a big part of why he got pissed off in Brooklyn is he was asked to be that guy again. The, hey, we need you to be, like, 50% of the offense, and then if KD's healthy, you'll be the other 50%, and if not, you're going to be 75% of the offense. pretty much. So... (laughs) I think, you know, Harden, when he left Houston, wanted a kind of rebranding that KD had when he went to Golden State where he's playing off the ball and he develops other aspects of his game. That he was criticized very thoroughly through the national media for not having and to not only not be able to expand and develop that repertoire in Brooklyn, he was asked to do more. And has been scapegoated in a lot of ways. You know, you look at the media reaction on the Nets side. It's been very favorable to the Nets. And we've seen a few hit pieces come out on Harden with his time in the Nets. So Harden's frustration with that, totally understandable and acceptable. And him being in Philly now, I think, yeah, there's going to be a lot of opportunities for that complimentary role that you're talking about. That off-the-screen role, right? And, bro, I want to talk about some roster pieces for this Philly team who... tell me if you disagree bro i think is the favorite in the east now
1: yeah i mean it, let's have the yeah let's have the fucking topic that's our next topic right like are they the best team in the east um i fuck yeah i mean i think it comes down to what's been the main thing we look at with the nba right at the end of the day who has the best players on the court and i'm hard pressed to think that any team that's playing the two the two best players on the court at any time are going to be james harden and Joel Embiid 99% of the time i would think
0: yeah m- more than not more often than not right like if you look in the east uh, you could say DeMar DeRozan is a higher ranking in the top 15 players list than James Harden. Mm-hmm. So DeRozan would probably be the second best player in a series if they played the Bulls. Yep. Uh, in Milwaukee, it'd be Giannis. But yeah, as far as like the bottom feeders of the East, they're going to have no problem getting past those guys. Now, when it comes to playing a team like Milwaukee, when it comes to playing a playoff-tested team like the Heat— um, when we talk about Brooklyn, if they get to full power, what do you think happens there, man? What's this? What's the separating factor that makes Philly different that gives you so much confidence to say that without having them seen, even seen them play a single game together?
1: Retention of perimeter defense. By that I mean the fact that you were able to retain Matisse Daible. An all world first team all defensive guy that's going to be matched up against Kevin Durant the The, whole
0: time. The best, no, let's take it a step further. The best perimeter defender Defender in in the NBA right now. Yeah, I
1: don't think that's a far fresh, like thing to say. Yeah. Yeah. So you got to keep that. Tyrese Maxey's also, I I don't think it's a far stretch to say. I think he's going to be second team all defense this year. I really do. So you were able to retain that while still bringing on James Harden, right? What's Matisse Diebel's biggest deficiency? He's horrendous offensively. He's going to get better. He's horrendous offensively. Tyrese Maxey isn't all there offensively yet. Yes, he's having a great year. what averaging about 16 a game, you know, career highs and everything. And he's on the projection of being an all-star level. 21 21 years old, man. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. He's just not there yet, right? Like this is very promising to see. So to be able to circumvent that by bringing in James Harden, like the complementary pieces that in which Matisse Dibble and Tyrese Maxey are able to detract away from the deficiencies that James Harden may have defensively. But at the same time, James Harden just offensively complements the pieces for Matisse Dybul and Tyrese Maxey so well is that, you know, Matisse is going to get open threes. Uh, Tyrese is going to get easy, you know, shots into the lane for him to get a high percentage shot at all times. So I, I just think the amount of complimentary pieces that you were able to keep along with bringing in Harden. Dude, it, that was the thing I think that just won the most, especially when we look back and see how much the Nets gave up to get him, <laughs> and how little the Sixers had to give up to really get him back.
0: Who who gets the last laugh? Daryl Morey didn't have to give up th- uh, Maxi to get Harden after all.
1: Fucking <laughs> ass, dude! You gave up <laughs> Seth Curry. Like. Yeah,
0: yeah, no, I bro, I couldn't agree with you more. Let's go through each each of those guys. I mean. Matisse Thibault, you know, Thinking Basketball, a great channel on YouTube if you want to look at the advanced analytics side of basketball and the real X's and O's that happen uh, with the star players and what makes them star players. He did a video on Matisse Thibault where he was really confused and. Couldn't find a relevant player comp in terms of the impact he has defensively. Not necessarily a a shot blocker, but knows the help spots so well and can use his athleticism to come and get a few blocks. Not necessarily known as a guy to pick the pocket of a player, but he's on you so much and you don't create separation that he gets his hand in there. The player comparison that he made for him, can you take a guess who it is? It's a guy that played in the 80s and 90s.
1: I really have no fucking idea. I can't even think of it. Like- Michael Jordan. Holy shit! What? On the defensive, oh, defensive side. side, yeah. <laughs> I was like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, no, this yeah, yeah.
0: is strictly on the defensive side. No, no, I think
1: all. that's a solid comparison. Yeah, six five. I think the only difference is they're both like around the same size, six five. But Matisse's like wingspan is like what seven feet or something. Way, way bigger. Yeah. yeah, and that's what just you know again differentiates them. Size, be to size matters, bro. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing when we look at a switch-heavy you know NBA now being over able here to go back, and over here. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Going into you know being able to guard any guard, forward, or even center if called upon, uh, it's a very, very big advantage in the playoffs. Yeah,
0: 100 percent. And you talk about when you start getting into playoff series and potentially playing a team out west that has the slurry of stars that they have or any of these East teams, bro. You, you want to talk about DeMar DeRozan? What better countermeasure for a mid-range guy than a guy who's going to be glued to you from the three-point line down to the paint yeah. in Matisse-Thibault. So 100 percent agree. And you talk about offensive weakness. James Harden will make you relevant on the court. He did that with G League players. He'll do that with Matisse-Thibault. Um, the other guy that I really have my eye on here, bro, I think this is going to be a hot take, but I don't think you're going to disagree with me when I make the case for you. Tyrese Maxey, I think is the best guard James Harden has ever played with in his career in terms of being complimentary to what James Harden is. Let's go through the list real quick. Okay. So going back to Houston, we have
1: CP three Little, even even going further okay, back, bro, all the way back. Oh, yeah, I'm, talking, oh I'm talking.
0: I'm talking. J- oh, Jeremy Lin, Jesus Christ. Yeah, let's I mean, not. Let's I mean, not even. You want to talk
1: about that back? Yeah, fucking Jeremy Lin's the first, first one. Yeah. <laughs> or no, I mean, if we go all the way back, Russell Westbrook.
0: Oh wow. Yeah. Um. Let's go like J. As far as James Harden's been like a playoff contender, top ten player in the league. It was like Jason Terry.
1: Yep.
0: Right, 39 year old guard who just shoots threes on yeah, the end. The
1: helicopter at that point, no longer right. jet.
0: 39 years young. If he ever scored mm-hmm. in a playoff game when we watched games together. Um, we had Patrick Beverly. He's going to sometimes make spot up threes and a great defender. And that's it knows his role. That's it. That's all you're getting from him. Right. Then you have CP three mm-hmm. point God season where, you know, that duo is unbelievable. Um, they and CP
1: three games. Like, like the, the contention, the, the consensus of Capella CP and Harden loses three games that year. or that. it was, it was like, it was like
0: 47 and three. It was a stupid record. It was ridiculous. Um, Yeah, and they probably win a championship if they stay healthy. They probably win a championship if they just stay together and don't break that team up. Up until right now. Yeah, they're probably wondering by now. Now you get, you know, you go to Brooklyn, Kyrie, whatever. You get some of Kyrie, Kyrie. (laughs) part-time Kyrie, whatever you want to fucking call that shit. And then Russell Westbrook, we're not even going to talk about because Russell Westbrook is the black hole that basketball is being sucked into and we need to stop it. We need to stop watching. We need to stop seeing Russell Westbrook.
1: Did you just Bill O'Brien, Russell Westbrook?
0: The black hole of death that is Bill O'Brien's chin fighting Russell Westbrook's black hole of basketball IQ is a power struggle that really might tear the sports world apart much the same (laughs) way COVID (laughs) did. We might have shutdowns.
1: Oh, my God. We need to make a list, bro. Like You've been Bill O'Brien or Russell Westbrook, and that's the list right there.
0: Yeah, so we're not going to discuss that. Now he's got a guy, a 21-year-old kid who is, you know, you want to talk about all those guys being unavailable or old, giving you 36 minutes a game and not missing games. He's there for almost every single game. He's 21, no injury history. He scores 17 a game, five assists a game, barely turns the ball over, one assist a game, shoots 40% from three and 47% from the field, all on just athlete plays, right? Beating guys on the fast break, spot-up threes, Pick and roll with Joe Embiid gets to the basket, beats the defender off the dribble. Low usage guy next to James Harden. When has he had a player with these complementary skill sets that I just described to you all put together? And do you think this is you know the perfect backcourt pairing for Harden on a team like this, where because of the contracts you have, you're not going to have one of those all-world point guards?
1: Yeah. So to back to, to to go back to your initial question, like is this the best complementary piece that he could have? Right now in the league, yes. With all all the skill sets that he has and playing next to James Harden, if Harden really doesn't want to go into the lane, he has Tyrese Max he can give off to, and he would be more than happy to do that. I think that, I don't think that this is the most... the the best complimentary piece he's had right now just for the one reason of knowing I really don't know what Tyrese Maxey's role is gonna look like within you know the system that's gonna be played does he usurp the role of Seth Curry and pretty much just come off as being a screener and just have an easy you know three at all times or is he gonna be coming off as a secondary ball handler playmaker similar to what we had with CP3 in Houston because if that's one thing I want to see now with that as well I still do believe CP3 was the better complimentary piece to Harden than Tyrese Maxey just because battle-tested CP3, right, knows the nuances of the men- the, of the mental game of the NBA. And I think that just matters really a, a lot when you're trying to get to the NBA Finals and win a championship. I think the problem is Tyrese Maxey is 21. This will be the first time he'll probably make a significant contribution into a deep playoff run or you know be a significant part of an offense into this deep playoff run. And I think that might run into some questions. But that's not to say at all that Tyrese Maxey is going to end up being the best complimentary piece, and he has all the tools, you know, in his repertoire to be able to do it. Um, I would, would I rather have the Would I rather have Seth Curry next to Harden or Tyrese Maxey all day? Fucking Tyrese Maxey. Yeah. Twice oh, on Sunday. Easy, easy. You know, so that's you why we didn't
0: even talk about the defense that you yeah, brought up.
1: Exactly.
0: So. Yeah, I would challenge you guys listening to this episode to think of a better complimentary piece that's not a superstar player to put next to James Harden right now in the backcourt. As far as a point guard goes, Mm -hmm. who's not going to demand the ball, but when he has it, he can make plays and he's not going to turn the ball over for you.
1: I get a lot of Drew Holiday vibes from him, bro. Yeah. I get a lot of Drew uh, Drew vibes from this dude. and. Mm Again, like a low ego superstar, because right? I think any real NBA fan would consider Drew Holiday a superstar. Like that's how I think that's my barometer for knowing if uh, you're an NBA fan. If you if I say Drew Holiday, you say who, or you know you you elicit a solid response. And I think Tyrese is going to be the same way. Very complimentary to Joel Embiid and to James Harden, and you know we'll take on your best perimeter defender uh, player, and you know still give you twenty nine.
0: How did we not have him on our list of uh, best guys twenty one and under?
1: He's twenty one still. I think just a jump, bro. I, I I think we saw it maybe be pretty big this year, but I think it was honestly the fact of also this team was surrounded with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Let's just be real. If ben Simmons is playing this year. Tyrese Maxey not having this year. Yeah,
0: no, I agree with you. And so, a yeah. lot of Ben, a lot of what Ben Simmons does limits Tyrese. Hundred percent.
1: So you know, it's a, it's a it's a product of that too. Yeah
0: we didn't even talk about Tobias Harris, who's giving you basically 20 points a game, seven rebounds Former a game.
1: Former All-Star bro. I mean, yeah, he's a horrible, horrible contract. All-Star replacement. Yeah, All-Star replacement. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Former All-Star replacement, Tobias Harris. Yeah, It's no. so
0: disrespectful if they put that like, oh, he's a four-time All-Star, one-time it's All-Star replacement. replacement. <laughs> so fucking disrespectful.
1: Yeah, I mean, worst contract, then. Worst oh. contract in sports or one of the worst contract in, in basketball. But I mean, for, for the role that he plays on this team, we can probably look at Tobias day in and day out as being the secondary or tertiary scorer on this team, depending on the night. And I think that role fits him to a T for his skill set as well. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, Harden
0: said in the press conference today, Tobias is a guy that should be going and getting us 20 plus a night every night. And it's my job. Now to, to get him that yeah, and that's why so, I call him
1: that that secondary option because Harden's main job is going to be playmaking on this team, bro. And I think he he is so ready for that.
0: Yeah, I had, again like the complimentary pieces that he's going to have along with Joel Embiid. I that's where I tend to agree with you, man. I think they're the best team in the East now. And as we've seen in Houston, bro, through the days of Tracy McGrady and Yao Ming, the playoffs sometimes are all about matchups. And when it comes down to it, bro. Who is going to stop Joel Embiid in these matchups out east? And if it your plan is to double team and bring help from the perimeter, you've got one of the top five guards and playmakers on the outside in James Harden to alleviate that pressure. Oh, and if you do that, by the way, Joel Embiid's averaging like five assists a game.
1: Which he is this year already. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, you know, I don't see a solution. I don't see a team stopping them. I think the Bucks were maybe up there when they had Brook Lopez and you had Giannis and Brook to alternate to throw at them for 48 minutes. Uh, But I don't think they can do it without Brook. The Heat with Bam,
1: I don't... That's the only one. I would say, So to your point with the Bucks Vala, I don't know why, but I think it's more, more Budenholzer than Giannis. But Budenholzer makes Giannis shy away from the best player. We saw this... The whole time, you know, with fucking KD last year. And I think we're going to see it again this year, in which I don't think Giannis is going to be the one guarding Embiid. Uh, I think they'll probably end up playing somebody else on him as well. Maybe Serge Ibaka, hence why they got him, which is horrible. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah.
0: I would like to see them play each other on the way to the finals just just because James Harden gets to play Giannis in the playoff series bro it's not about Giannis and Joel for me at that point I want to see all the beef that's accumulated between them between Giannis and Harden beefing in like 2014 randomly Giannis throwing the ball at Harden's head Giannis not drafting Harden drafting some bums over him and calling him the dribbler that'd be that'd be a beautiful thing to see Uh, And then the obvious elephant in the room, bro, what about the Nets? You know, let's say KD, Kyrie, Ben Simmons, you got three all-NBA players, all in the prime of their careers, come together and start playing. And, you know, you've got a big guy like Andre Drummond, who's kind of like the perfect beast To throw up against the monster that is Joel Embiid, it's like a fucking Kong and Godzilla movie. When the two,
1: I think of like Liam Neeson saying like "Release the Kraken," and like there's Andre Drummond just out there.
0: (laughs) Dude averages like twenty nine thousand rebounds per thirty six minutes. It's gonna be. He's a perfect addition to that team. Yeah. So what do you think about the Nets? If the Nets and so, Sixers match up and the Nets are full power, full go.
1: Yeah, that Nets lineup, man. We talk about complimentary pieces. So your lineup then would be Kyrie, Seth Curry, Ben Simmons, Kevin Durant, or and uh, some sort of combination of either LaMarcus Aldridge or, uh, uh, or Andre Drummond. That's a scary fucking lineup. Not to mention if Joe Harris gets healthy, him coming off your That's bench. That's a big if, yeah um and Claxton you know Patty Mills yeah I mean if they're healthy that's eight deep with guys that I think you know that's an eight-man roster that can compete with anybody my only thing is continuity right like who what's the roles do people know the roles that they're designed and I think that designation of roles or being aware of that comes with continuity and this team doesn't have it I'm, I'm sorry there's gonna be a point where it's gonna be Ben demanding the ball to play point guard and then Kyrie's gonna be demanding the ball instead and then you have the question who's actually playing point guard who plays off ball who plays on ball there's going to be a lot a lot of those times cuz i'll be honest kyrie's a better point guard than simmons could ever fucking hope to be yeah uh, but simmons by default should be the point guard of this team same, you know, same thing that we saw with the whole Harden Kyrie thing, right? He's,
0: he's going to play a lot of minutes at center for them too. I think when uh, what's his name point when center Drummond isn't out there, I think you're going to see a lot of point center Ben yeah. Simmons. I
1: mean, he's going to be a point guard regardless the whole time that he's there. He's going to be running the fucking offense. Yeah. So, and, and that's what I'm trying to say. I think there's going to get to get a point where it's like we don't know who's playing what role.
0: When we talk about the Nets later in this episode, we're going to have a talk about where's Ben Simmons even at physically. Like, is he in shape? Is he even working on his game at all? How is he going to look when he comes back? Is he going to be what he was last year? We'll see. We're going to talk about it soon. Uh, before we do, though, to wrap up the 76 er side of this, we got to talk about Harden and Embiid separately real quick. For yeah. James Harden, right now, where do you have him?
1: Uh, I'm in the top 15 right now. Um, I don't think uh, I don't think he's definitely not top five. I think it's pushing it to, say, top 10 right now. I'm in the top 15 um, just because, again, I think the rules – Of, uh, I just think the rules of the NBA that have changed have just drastically hurt um, the efficiency for how he gets points. And I think that the other thing about Harden as well that we've seen is that his true, you know, his usage rate actually, when we look at the advanced metrics, has gone down significantly from when we had it in Houston. In the Houston era, he was averaging over 34 percent Usage rates. I think he was averaging 38 and 36 his peak years for like four years, and then when he comes back to Brooklyn, he's barely averaging about 31, 32. It's a significant difference that you end up seeing, and for the you know to equate that back to the normalization of the stats, stats were pretty inflated in Houston because of it. But then when you normalize them down to numbers that you have in Brooklyn, they make sense. They really do. So you know that that makes sense. So from the eye test, it's like okay. He's still the same player than, you know, when we look at numerically. From the eye test, what I see is that, yeah, he's having a harder time getting past his defender and his shots just not going down. So because of that, I think he's fallen the top 15 for me.
0: So what I mentioned before, as far as, you know, we need to talk about this later on and bring the CP3 injury back into the fold is, let's just think about what happened with CP3 when he was in Houston, right? Had that first season. Actually, he wasn't an all-star, but I think he was like a top 20 player in the NBA still. Um, especially in the playoffs onwards. Easily. So he has the hamstring injury, misses time. Next season, 2019, doesn't look the same. He looks bad. Like, we're all thinking, oh, my God, this contract. Chris Paul aging, too. He's only going to get older. He's six feet tall. We know there's a history in the NBA of six-foot-tall point guards not working out too well. Let's get him the fuck out of here. And he has the revival, which, you know, in hindsight – what a disappointment for Houston to let go of him and break that couple so soon. Even though it was on James Harden's part, uh, but you know at the time you can't blame them for making that move. So with James Harden, why are we expecting this to be any different? You know he has a grade two hamstring injury in the playoffs that he tries to play through. By the way, he plays multiple games through.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: All offseason's rehabbing it gets out of shape. For various reasons, because that's who he is, because he's disappointed with the situation in Brooklyn, because he's unhappy, because the strippers feed him steaks at night. Who knows? Uh, and now is starting to play himself back in shape. He looked fucking ripped in the Philly uniform, the practice uniform he had on during their pre or their practice stuff. By the way, so why are, why should it be any different to assume? James Harden, who is a skill-based player, not a player who plays based off athleticism, now that he starts to get further and further removed from his hamstring injury, isn't going to return to form or even take a next leap with the roster that he's on. Do you project him to be a top-ten player by the time the playoffs roll around?
1: Um... (laughs) No, I'll still keep him in the top 15 because for me, for Harden, bro, it's going to come down to the playoffs, right? Like, I think he cemented himself right now in the 15 for me. And the only thing that's going to make him go up um, is just going to be the playoffs for me. I think this the rest of this regular season, if I'm going to be honest, I think Harden's going to be averaging the most assists I think he's ever you know he's ever had in his career. So because of that, I, I think the points number will stay down probably in the 20-ish range, like low 20s. But I don't be surprised if we see 13, 14 assists a game.
0: 100% agree. Yeah, it's gonna be it's going to be fun, man. I can't wait. Um, Joel Embiid.
1: What is there to say? Like, I'm fawning over this guy, bro. Like, I, I you know, again, I think as Houstonians, bro, this is, this has a really soft, you know, space in my heart just because, you know, we grew up, I, I was born in 93, right? You were born in the 90s as well. I think you were born in 92. 91. 92. So you were born like right before me. So it's like, you know, we grew up in the era. We were just born when Hakeem was doing what he was doing. We, you know, we never got to see this folklore hero that we have in Houston actually play basketball and actually witness it. This is the closest thing we're ever going to see. You know, this is the the straight emulation of what Hakeem would have been in the 21st century playing in 2022. And it it holds a special place in my art because we're really looking at talent. This guy is amazing. Like, I mean, you know, center. This is what like you talk about having a center created from a lab and brought to the NBA. This is it. This guy can do fucking everything. He is the most dominant p- paint like, player in the paint, not named Giannis Antetokounmpo. He is the, you know, on top of that, he's one of the best three-point shooting players in the NBA period. He's one of the best fucking ball handers in, in the league. And mind you, he's in the contention for Defensive Player of the Year this year as well. Like, it's just, it's unfair the amount of things he can do. He, there's no deficiency in his game. The only deficiency we could say anything about Joel Embiid is his health. That's it. That is it. That is it. If this guy can play 82 games for the next, like, if for, the, for the entirety of his career, we're talking about him as being one of the greatest, if not the greatest center in the league, in, in, in league history. That's how much I think of Joel Embiid. So, yeah, like, he, this man's all world. Not to mention the fucking swag, bro. Like, that, like we talk about those swag points. It's it, There's, uh, that, this is a guy built for the playoffs from, from like, a mental standpoint.
0: And a, and a leader. A leader of a locker room of men, I think. You know, he's, everything you said, but I agree 100%. I have more to say. Um, you remember in the last episode we talked about when the whole Ben Simmons situation came about at the start of the season and Bede went to Maxi and said, yo, we don't need Ben Simmons. Yeah. We're a championship team because we got you, homie. Let's go. Yeah, that's a
1: one shit, bro. Like,
0: fuck and fuck all the t- stuff about talking your way to being a leader. Joel Embiid's there. He shows emotion in the end of close games. He fucking cried. When they lost that playoff series that we discussed, yeah, memed as fuck. He got memed, but you know that's showing you that's a guy who fucking wants to win. He wants to be there in Philly. Trust the process, baby. Yeah, trust the process. You got like, how does it feel to have a seven foot two, athletic freak whose offensive game, sure, like post ups are included, and he dominates in terms of footwork at the post and the the crafty ways he's able to get his shot up or just overpower the defender. But how does it feel to have a seven-two guy that is basically fucking Kobe Bryant from the mid-range? Like, because. refined post-up turnaround game. Hezzo game between the leg. Step-back jump shots. A well-developed three-point shot as well that operates very well on the fast break as the trailing man at the top of the key. This is unreal. Like, this is the best center I've ever seen in my lifetime. You know, I really started watching basketball and, like, O two O three. Mm-hmm. I didn't see a lot of Shaq in those first two years, and I saw Shaq at the end of his prime. This is the best I've ever seen, dude. Yeah, like this is dominance. And I think the reason we're so strong in picking Philly as our championship contenders is because I think Joel Embiid is going to be the best player in any playoff series he plays in, going all the way to the finals.
1: Yeah, no, one hundred percent. And like the only argument there uh, that we have is. You know his contemporary, Giannis Antetokounmpo. That's it. That's it's him. I think he cemented himself in, in him and that. And I think we as NBA fans fucking deserve to see the Bucks uh, and Sixers matchup to be able to witness who's you know who's really better.
0: It's gonna be a fun one to watch. I, I just hope, I really hope it. We've been robbed of so many great like I know, dude runs in like you know playoff matchups. So you think back to oh nine, Kobe versus LeBron. Yeah. You know I wish I wish we got a. uh It would have been fun to get Harden in the big three of the Nets versus Steph and the Warriors. Mm -hmm. Um, A a few fun ones off the top of my head, but just seeing this for a non-finals matchup would would fulfill so many narratives in my head. So now that we've talked about Harden and Embiid separately, bro, let's talk about kind of a question we ask in terms of categories on various other pods, and that is, is this duo too early, just right, or too late in terms of coming together, all things considered, man, I want you to think about, really think about like where these guys are maturity-wise in their careers, where they are in terms of their goals and what they want out of basketball, whether it's money and marketing or it's winning and legacy, whatever. And then, of course, think about where their games are at as well.
1: Yeah. So I'll, I'll come back with saying that Logically speaking, this isn't the best on paper that we, that we could have had, right? Because obviously, I think 2018, Harden or 2017, that run with Houston, combined that with Embiid, would have logically been the best. Uh, and you, know that would have equated to many championships. But where we are today as well, I think they're just right, right? I think we're getting to the point, and I think that we're just right, just because I think Harden's he's, he's taken a, you know, a step off the pedal of the offensive dominance. And he's no longer that offensive dominant player uh, of the point of I'm trying to get to is more of the offense dominance when it comes to a scoring standpoint. Right. I'm not expecting James Harden to give me 50 pieces every other night anymore. Yeah. I still think he's the he's not average 36. Exactly. Six yeah. six. That, I think those days are done. But to the same point, is he still going to average 20 and 10? Absolutely. I don't expect anything less. And that to me is still all NBA caliber, you know, play right there that you can have so i think this is perfect and on top of that you know this is joel Embiid coming into being the best one of the best offensive players if not the best offensive player in the league as well so you want to feed him as much as you can and what better way to feed him than you know proof proof the nba that you're the best fucking point guard in this league james you know you've done everything right you're the the best scorer that we've seen in our era Prove to us that you're the best point guard and you have no other excuse to do it when you have tobias in the perimeter and you have joel in the paint waiting for you
0: Yeah, I mean, hey, you know, you talk about the weakness of Joel Embiid being missing time sometimes. James Harden, you're going to be well-rested, you know? (laughs) Like, if they ask you to be the guy who needs to score 30 a game or go off for 40 for the Sixers to win a game when Joel Embiid is out due to foul trouble or out due to health and injuries, James Harden, you've just been chilling setting up this 21-year-old who plays 36 minutes a game and is an offensive dynamite, and Tobias Harris is a 20-point-per-game guy, and... Joel Embiid when he's there step it up now there you go you're not like carrying a bunch of fucking 36 year old guys who haven't played basketball in years and G League talent like you were in Brooklyn or in Houston for all those years so I think it's constructed perfectly for that purpose as well
1: yeah, no, I think this is I think this is the true amalgamation of, like, Maury's greatness. Like, I feel like somewhere, like, Maury has, like, like his, like, long list of goals that he had, like, in his fucking evil diabolical plan. And this is, like, the final bow on that fucking diabolical plan for his, like, pursuit of the finals, finally.
0: Yeah. And, you know, as far as the timing being perfect, Nabil, I, I think you're right. Like, James Harden just wants to win. Like, he doesn't care about marketing. He doesn't care about breaking records. He doesn't care about MVPs. He just wants to win. And Joel Embiid is at the perfect point where, if Harden's ever going to defer to someone, like you really got to be that guy for you to defer to him. Like Chris Paul was nice, Harden deferred to Chris Paul in 2018, but the moment Chris Paul started to decline, that's when you started to see the tension between the two. Right? Mm -hmm. Harden's not going to Kyrie calling Harden washed if those reports are true. Uh, Harden's not going to take that shit from someone who's not an absolute, definitive top ten guy in the league. And we're talking about Joel Embiid. I think at this point in the NBA now, being one of two guys in the NBA who are true tier one superstars, three if we include KD, if we include all players not due to injury, that's him, Giannis, and KD now. And what a jump! Last year we had him like in the seven to eight range mm-hmm. for our top ten players in the league, and now he jumped into tier one sat category.
1: Yeah, I think we called it too that he had the opportunity to be able to do that, just if he, you know, if he developed and fucking yeah he he's developed this is like 99 level fucking 2k uh you know Joel Embiid over here bro yeah um so yeah th- this is there's no excuse right like i think you have you like if you're daryl morey if you were the 76ers franchise like bro philly I, I i am so happy for the city of philadelphia like holy fuck like they've they you have get it. They are finally going to get, like, after dealing after, after having the greatness of AI given to you in 2000, losing that, struggling with everything, trusting the fucking process, the, the process has come to full fruition, right? Like, this is the process. This is the best shot that the city of Philadelphia has had at an NBA championship.
0: You know, this is crazy. You went from having an offense of uh, Brett Brown trying to create with Ben Simmons and a bunch of perimeter guys. To Doc Rivers orchestrating James Harden and Joel Embiid with all the guys they have, this is going to be fun to watch. Yeah, dude. Congratulations, Philly. I think you're the championship favorites now. Uh,
1: going forward for
0: Philly, you think this is it? This is this is what's the, the window?
1: Uh, this year and next year, because I think uh, I, uh, I think one of the contentions to be traded for Harden was that he had to accept this player option for next year. So, yeah, so he did. So he did accept the player. So yeah, he accepted the player option. So yeah, this year and next year, nothing else for window. Because after this year and next year. Uh, James Harden is going to be up for a $60 million a year contract Like for a full extension for five years And I, I if Maury is smart from what I've seen he is And I'm not going to mortgage the future of the fucking franchise on James Harden um, Yeah, I, that's going to be the worst contract in sports
0: So he'll be uh, 33 years old when that time comes You're going to probably look at a five-year What, like over 200-something closer million? To, we're,
1: we're looking at closer to three
0: 300 maybe? If, yeah, if he goes super max all the way. He's going to get super max. 250, 300 yeah. range. Um, and yeah. He'll be the highest player,
1: paid player in the NBA. That's This will be the I, biggest I contract think, in history. I think history. you
0: still have a window at, at 33 and 34-year-old James Harden. I think his game is still going to age gracefully. And with him having less of a load, I don't think he's going to you know have these recurrent injury issues. So my Hopefully problem that hamstrings that. it.
1: So my problem isn't going to be the, like, the hard decline that he's going to have. It's going to be more the salary cap hit that that's going to take. Sixty-two million dollars you're gonna have, and then that's not even to say what's gonna happen to Joel Embiid's contract when his when that's up as well. Yeah, and then oh, you're he, paying you're paying Embiid. You yeah, bird rates. That's what I'm saying. So, and on top of that, you know, Tobias's contract is still there. It's a you know lengthy one. Matisse and Tyrese are gonna be coming off their rookie contracts here, relatively short during that long term span that you would have. And there's no way. I'm sorry, Philly fans, you guys aren't LA and, and you know or New York when it comes to a profitability standpoint, unfortunately. No, Houston isn't either. It makes us feel any better. So from that standpoint, you're not going to have a 400 million dollar fucking player, you know, deal, right? You're going to have to get rid of one of them. And I think if you lose one of those pieces, uh, yeah, I just don't think you're good enough at that point. And it just it really hinders you when you have to pay 60 million dollars to a player who can't definitively get you a championship on his own with just a couple of other like somewhat All Star guys, right? Like if you're going to have James Harden, he's going to need another All NBA guy for us to seriously take him to be going to the final seriously yeah so that's the only reason why i think all it's this year and next year on this Harden contract
0: i think yeah you know you've got maxi at least for this year and two years after um you know he's on that rookie deal so it's a four-year contract this is his second year he'll have two more years after so i think you're a contender at least for two more years your window is this year and two more years uh if again you retain harden that is there's a conspiracy theory floating around uh, the Sixers Reddit that James Harden is going to take a pay cut for Daryl Morey and get money under the table somehow with the Sixers organization as he retires there or whatever happens. Uh, and they're going to try to move Tobias Harris's contract to open up cap space for a third Max.
1: I mean, fuck. If so James those, so so that, those yeah.
0: two, a third Max and Tyrese Maxey on his rookie contract. And Diable and thigh bull still
1: yeah i mean if hard wants to like leave with chips just like he wants to make it rain in fucking philly and leave as a god in in, fucking in the city of philly then yeah do it I,
0: is his statue next to rocky balboa if he does that if he takes hundred, that pay oh, dude
1: him and joel Embiid have the kobe and Shaq like statues in front of staples or what crypto.com arena now like it's going to be equating to that like it's going to be true memorial shines like Philly Philly's going to be like Philly has always been an Eagles town, right? Like the Eagles have one of the biggest followings in all of North American sports. Um, the Phillies are also a huge team. The Sixers are going to usurp that title and be the, like Philly's going to turn into a basketball town after that. Happens.
0: What a, and let's talk about that for a second, bro. What a perfect pairing of stars. I think Harden is the perfect guy for Philly. He a guy who never complains about losing or why he lost. Like we've seen him play injured in Houston. Never brings up injuries. Never misses time because of them outside of this hamstring debacle. Um, even like will play through them to his own detriment physically, like we saw in the Brooklyn series against the Bucks. And you know, a guy who doesn't make excuses, I think he's going to be very beloved by net by Sixers fans. And he came out yet today and actually said, "These are the best fans in the world, and I'm glad they're on our side because it's not fun playing against them." Yeah. So a perfect pairing of characters, I think.
1: No, this will this will be great. I think the only thing that We'll see. Is that you know Philly fans are very unforgiving, very quickly. So you just hope that Philly doesn't go on a losing streak. We see the bad side of it, and I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think Joel Embiid allows this to happen. Yeah. Uh, I mean, again, Joel Embiid has fucking Philly eating from the palm of his hand. Embiid is Baba. He's his
0: Baba. He's going to take care of him.
1: So that's what I'm saying. I I think I think James is in great hands right now, bro. This is this is uh, as a basketball fan, you should be you should be happy for what just happened in the NBA.
0: Yeah. the The return of the great duos instead of the big threes is a good thing to watch in basketball.
1: I would ask you, that: who would you want? It, who would that third superstar be if you're able to move to Bias on the table? So you're telling me like Harden takes some sort of like a $25 million deal and then, you know, something very reasonable, like the second highest paid player on the Steam Embiid, probably $20 to $30 million range for three or four years. If you have that and then you're able to move to Bias, who's that third superstar you're able to get?
0: I think ideally it's a very athletic defensive four that can hit threes. That's a rainmaker on the three end.
1: I got, I got a great option for you What's that? that I think is a very feasible case if that happens, and he's on uh, one-year player deals like no other. Would you say Kawhi Leonard on that team? Oh, my God. What? Kawhi's on a one-to-one year every year, right? What's it to say he thinks Paul George is getting too old and hey, there's another $40 million spot available? E- either
0: of those guys are perfect. I've always yeah. said Paul George is one of like the perfect complementary guys to James Harden, especially OKC and in Indiana, Paul George. um him or Kawhi in that team it's it's gg bro like yeah. it's over it's done yeah. like it's game of thrones daenerys with her dragons level of overpowering the opponent <laughs> you're murdering cities oh goodness
1: but just as yours the, the man who made him cry comes back to hug joel and say we do this together we're gonna do this together i'm gonna get you your ring little man wow this yeah. is the ultimate big bro little bro moment at that.
0: he up. just he like puts a cloth rag over him <laughs> joel mb turns into hodor <laughs> Starts carrying Kawhi out of oh, the fucking God. tunnel. It's it like that would be a beautiful sight to see. Does that make James Harden like a three-eyed raven? James Harden, I don't know, bro. James Harden, just with the beard, might either be a direwolf or Ooh. maybe the wildling chick. Okay, that's fair. I can believe that goes out at night. Brings them meals. Brings them strippers. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. He fits the role. Um, last thing, bro. Let's close the pot out with some Nets talk.
1: The so, benefactor. The
0: other trade. the other side of this trade, bro. Just quick talk on them, and we'll close things out. What do you think about the Nets going forward? You know, this is obviously a six or centric pod, but just to show the other side of things, um, did this work out for the Nets? You know, did they get the best interest out of this? Because we discussed, you know, what happens if free agency comes around and James Harden has to bounce or, you know, he demands a trade and you have to do a sign and trade option. i uh, was this one of the best outcomes for them in terms of the package that they got? And where do you have them going forward?
1: Yeah, so this was the best package. I think this is the best case scenario that Nets could have had, and like, ever, right? Because you, if James Harden made it relatively clear that he was going to leave in the summer and you were going to lose James Harden for nothing, lo- lose all the capital and the future assets that you pretty much gave up for him, wasted, nothing. You know, Instead, you get an all-NBA guy, you know? And we, again, we know how good he is defensively, right? He's probably the best defensive point guard we have in this league. Um, and on top of that, like, you know, he, he is a great point guard. He really is. He's a great playmaker. Um, so you, you're able to get that in return on paper, bro. Like I said, when I, when I listed out that starting lineup and the depth that they had, it looks perfect on paper. It's on, on paper. It's the best lineup to be able to throw against Joel Embiid and James Harden and probably beat them in all honesty. If I had to bet my money, like on a seven game series, actually, but I just don't I don't see this whole team coming together and I just don't think there's enough time to mesh all three dynamic scores offensively like that on a team together and understand the roles that are needed for them to cohesively win a championship. Yeah, right. Like there's some times that I do believe that Kyrie thinks he's alpha on that team. And I'm sure that Durant being the selfless player that he's always been is going to let him defer and give him the ball just like he did Steph. You know, so I, I don't know who's going to be the alpha on that team. And then on top of that, you know, Simmons is going to believe that he's the best point guard because I'm sorry, if Simmons is not playing point guard on that team, he's a liability offensively, you know? So again, th- that's the only issue that I have with them not uh, being, you know, championship favorites. But, you know, that's again, nothing to take away to the fact that, you know, you know, three is more than two, right? Three all NBA guys is more than two all NBA guys. So that's the ultimate wild card.
0: Yeah, and and Brooklyn's big weakness this year was defense. You just got one of probably the three best defensive players in the league. Yeah. Yeah, you're welcome. And he's young, and he's signed to you forever. Pretty much, yeah. So, yeah, I think uh, on paper everything you said, bro. You know, this is a great team on paper, but how much basketball has Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons played in the last four months? Not a whole lot. You know, And Ben Simmons has played none. And we don't know what version of Ben Simmons we're going to get here. Has he been staying in the gym? Has he been staying in shape? We discussed that a little bit earlier, uh, but I just I don't know what version of these guys we're going to get. So that's the big question with Brooklyn. They're on a deep dive un- until they were saved by Seth Curry a few nights ago. So yeah, yeah, we'll see.
1: I mean, like I said on on paper, bro, like this team's nasty. I love, like Seth Curry as your fourth option scoring. Like that's a that's a pretty good fourth option right there, man. So it'll it'll be fun. I'm I'm really looking forward to playoffs. I'm looking like forward to health. Um, I'm looking forward to the other trades that happen too. That for these teams that are trying to push to be play in teams as well. It's really good. I think the NBA has done everything so well, and I think it it pushes teams on the bottom tiers as well to try to get better, and it pushes teams on the top to you know cement their place in the NBA.
0: Yeah, man, the East just got a lot of fun, bro. Philly, Brooklyn. Miami, Milwaukee. Am I missing any other true contenders? Chicago. Chicago? Oh, I'm so sorry. Those are five teams that if they lose in the first round or the second round, their season is a total disappointment. One They're all looking for championship aspirations. And I, I really don't remember the last time that was the case in the East. We've talked about LeBron-dominated Eastern eras and the early 2000s, you know, Jason Kidd. <laughs> fucking showcasing the east in the finals for consecutive seasons this is the best east i've ever seen and it just got better with this trade
1: yeah dude and like these these bottom tier teams they're no slouches either so and you know one trade for one of these bottom tier teams and you know they'll pull a chicago and be right up there in the top five yeah so it's awesome bro i'm the nba fan
0: yeah we're i think we're a steph curry ankle away from the east becoming better than the west oh that's all it takes. that's it We'll see. And until that time, y'all keep tuning in. We got you. We're okay, here, bro. All right,
1: bro. Bye. Bye.